Get the new Donkey Kong 64 bundle with the Banana Yellow Game Pack and the new Jungle Green N64 console. It's got a Jungle Green controller and comes with the... Or see what we can say. We will walk through walls. We will take a look around us. We will not be confined. We believe in the path of least limits. We won't be told how to view the world. We will experience true freedom. We will not compromise. We will live the game through our hands. We will be in control of something. Change. 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 We will change the system. Yeah. Ferret 64 with your host, Yummy the Ferret. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, Yummy the Ferret. That's right, we are here to talk about the video game news and occurrences that have happened between the dates of the 8th. Um, sorry, the 20th of September and the 25th of September 2020! That's right. Um, so yeah, in each episode we kind of just go over the news between the, you know, what happened this past week. Also, sometimes we'll talk about what games I've been playing and all that fun stuff. And actually, I do have a game that I want to talk about today, and that is Infamous. So, the original Infamous game came out during... It came out, like, early in the PS3 era, right? I think it was, like, one of the first games to come out for the system, if I'm not... If I'm not incorrect. And we played it for... I mean, it's not the first time I played it. It's a revisit, technically, but I haven't played it since the great PSN outage of, you know, 2011 or whatever it was, 2010 or whatever it was. Um, and I haven't played it since then. And it was interesting going back to this game and messing around with the old systems and kind of feeling the jank a little bit in some of the in some of the mechanics that have aged pretty poorly uh, throughout the years. Now, this is I haven't played Infamous an Infamous game since I Platinum Second Son, which was back in what 2016 or something like that. It was pretty long ago, so I haven't played an Infamous game in a while. And it's interesting to go back and play, like, the original one as opposed to playing Second Son because there's so much less you can do in terms of, like, ability and stuff like that. But there's more you can do with a single ability than with any ability in in the Second Son game. But, you know, to be honest, I really, I like, I enjoyed the experience. We played the Evil campaign and... I enjoyed it. It was oh, it was fine. I think the combat was nice. The open world as a whole kind of utilized the different powers that you got. You know, whether it be the the electric hover or the you know Tony Hawk grinding on the uh, electric uh, rails, um, and it, it it did utilize a lot of those abilities pretty well. But there are also areas where your powers meant nothing. Like there was no way to get through an area. You know fast like there's the whole park area on the third island and stuff like that it's just some of those things it's like you know especially when you're doing if you're trying to go for like a hundred percent of like all the blast shards or something like that it, it can be really really annoying to just walk around an area you know spamming your your sensibility and that's what i was doing at the end of my playthrough um the last time we streamed it and that was getting really boring and we weren't finding 
like hardly any like there'd be a pocket where you'd find like three and then you'd find none for like 10 minutes straight and i was like you know what if i want to actually do this i'll do this on my own time but for now you know we're just gonna leave it at this i tried my best you know the 100 we got all the areas done um and we got uh i, I would say we, we were missing probably about 20 blast shards at the end of it all which isn't too bad all things considered because i wasn't really looking for them i was just kind of grabbing them as i saw them so what is Infamous? I guess I should probably start off with this. You play as Cole, and he uh, sets off a bomb or something like that in the middle of a, of, a, of a city. And essentially he gets these electric powers, and he has some memory loss and stuff like that. Uh, he gets the powers from a thing called the Conduit, but also other people get tons of powers too. So there's one person who, she has like sludge coming out of her, and she can make um you know evil henchmen and stuff like that there's another guy who can control trash so he gets all the homeless population to join him in his cause and then of course there's the third guy who later is to reveal to be a time traveler i hope that doesn't give away too much for people who haven't played the game but uh and he essentially uh has the same powers as you and his and his um his minions are kind of just like beefed up versions of of all the other enemies you can been facing um and also there's like these conduit dudes who are like they're henchmen so they're not like so like amazing but essentially they have abilities like the one guy can create trash monsters himself the other guy can become a trash monster there's one guy who can like make um go invisible you know with a shotgun which is pretty deadly um, another guy who can like make himself really tall, but he's really vulnerable. Yeah, stuff like that. And I think that the, the game, in terms of like variety of enemies and stuff like that, I think it does a good job in doing that. We didn't feel bored throughout this playthrough, and unless we were doing the side mission where we had to like electrify the the security devices. I think for the most part, yeah, we had a we had a fun time. It was a pretty breeze through type experience. Um, the really the only thing that really annoyed me about the, about the game was the climbing and I think the climbing actually knocked it down a few pegs in my opinion because it was just so gosh darn awful um like it just 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 yeah if you watch any part of a stream and you'll see just the struggle of just climbing up you know it's it's very very difficult and there's people who uh, I was talking to on like a Twitch stream, and they were trying to defend the game, like, oh, it's just because it's old, you know, it came out a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that, but I'm being, like, objective with this game, and I'm reviewing this game in its state in, you know, 2020. And I'm giving it an honest review for my experience with it, playing through it again, you know, with a more mature mind and body. And it just doesn't hold up as well as I think it, it probably as, as the second game probably does. I haven't played the second game again, but I'm thinking the second game is gonna it's gonna be a little bit better in terms of like climbing and stuff like that. But well, of course we'll see when we get to that. Of course, um, I I I don't understand that argument from people because even I think I mean pretty I mean even back in the day when it first came out on the P PS3, there were people complaining about the climbing. I personally don't remember how bad you know how bad it was back then because it's been so long, but, uh, it, it's definitely one of those things that sticks out to me personally, and I can definitely see, um, you know, why that they needed to improve that so much for the next game, and it, it's almost like it had, like, a climbing system from an, uh, like, an underdeveloped Assassin's Creed type build, you know, it was that, it, it was pretty, pretty bad, I, I, and I don't want, I'm not going to defend it, I'm just not going to defend it, because it's in the game, they never fixed it, 
there's not been a remaster of the game. There's no new way to play it. You can only play the PS3 version. And until that PS3 version is remastered, remade, redone, and they fix that stuff, I will, I will still complain about it. But there's also another big issue with this game, and that is that the good and evil campaign, you practically go along the same path, simil very similar things happen, and then in the end, the same cutscene plays no matter if you're good or evil. Which is very problematic to me personally, because the whole game I've been going through it doing the evil stuff to become the most evil person, you know, that you can be. And when I get the same ending as a, as a person who was goody two-shoes... It, it just it doesn't rub me the right way. Um, in terms of, like, good and bad decisions, I mean, this one's more closely related to, like, a Mass Effect 3, where it's like, yes, you did all this stuff, and building up to it is the, it's the journey, but then at the end, it doesn't really... I mean, it kind of matters, but also doesn't really matter kind of thing. Um, so, as an example, um, one of the things you can do is you can either try, you can save Trish, who is your girlfriend, or you can save a group of doctors to help, you know, save uh, the city. And essentially, depending on which choice you do, Trish will die no matter what. And it's like, okay, well, there's really no choice here. It's just, you know, it's just, it's a little bit of an illusion, you know, because she'll die either way, which is, you know, kind of stupid to me. I also don't like that a lot of the cutscenes, like some of the comic book cutscenes and stuff like that, which are cool looking, a lot of them don't have the specific power that you are using. Like, if you are Red Lightning, put Red Lightning in there. If you're Blue Lightning, put Blue Lightning in there. But it's all been blue, even in the tutorials, which isn't as, you know, isn't as terrible of a thing. But I just want the cutscenes to be a little bit more personalized for your playthrough. And it's, it's, it's not like it's a terribly difficult thing to do, but, you know, what you're going to do. Um, in the end, I put it in the C tier, Cat. I believe I put it in the cat tier, the C tier. Um, and I don't think it'll move from there. I think that that's a good place for it. Um, it's a good stepping stone for the rest of the series, Series, obviously. I, I don't think that it's complete garbage. I just think it's a middle-of-the-road kind of thing. There are a lot of good aspects, but there are also a bunch of things that, to be honest with you, really could use some polishing, um, especially in this day and age. Um, and I'm going to judge it as a person who played it in 2020 and not a person who played it in, you know, 20, 2009, you know, same, th same thing for like gold, you know, a lot of people love 007 GoldenEye, but has it aged poorly? Yes, it's aged very poorly, especially the control scheme on the Nintendo 64. Now put that control, you know, you know, do that little, you know, illegal download of it on your PC and map the controls to a mouse and keyboard, and yeah, you have a good FPS. And you can judge it that way if you want to, but I, I, in my opinion, GoldenEye is not the greatest FPS of all time. Yes, it started a lot of things, and yes, it's, it, it deserves the credit that it gets, but is it the best FPS of all time? No. Same thing with this game. Is this the best open-world, choose-your-adventure-type hero game? No, the same developer with the same concept did better games in the next two and a half games. Yes, I count First Light as a half-step of a game. So, yeah, I think it's justified to be in C tier. I don't see it going anywhere else at this point. Another game that we played that I think I forgot to review was Ratatouille on the PS2. Um, just know that it's a good game, and I enjoyed it a lot, and I put it in A tier. And my justification for that is that it's... It's, it's one of the most fun movie tie-in games that I've played, and I think that it's worth the spot in, in that tier. 
Um, I don't think it's S tier, obviously, because there's a few things that happen with, like, the grabbing and the open world and stuff like that. But other than that, it's a very good game. And yes, it is above Infamous and a few other games that people might find a little bit annoying that it's above. Um, my list, not yours. That's all I gotta say. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about the news from this week. Obviously, the biggest news is that the PS5 pre-order was a complete bust, and Sony has actually come out and apologized on Twitter, saying, let's be honest, PS5 pre-orders could have been a lot smoother. We truly apologize for that. Over the next few days, we will release more PS5 consoles for pre-order. Retailers will share more details, and more PS5s will be available through the end of the year. So this follows a flurry of pre-order listings that broke some records for some retailers as they sold out in mere minutes. Uh, places like Amazon and GameStop sold out of the PS5 console uh, almost instantly. Um, and uh, But they're saying that there should be more consoles coming in the next few days, which was today, uh, the 25th of September. And no, it was not any easier to get a console. Um, not only... Where their very limited stock coming back into stock, and the waiting periods were six, seven hours, and then people would get kicked out. Um, but there was also people buying multiple consoles for themselves. Now, whether they are honest by saying, oh, these are for my friends and family, or they're just going to scalp them and resell them, either way, I think it's a pretty shady thing to do to have, you know, how many dummy accounts buy six consoles, and then you leave, you know, five people who have been waiting in line, you know, they don't get a console because you took them all. I think that there really needs to be a better system for this. A person should not be able to buy six consoles through the same IP address or something like that, you know? I think these companies need to do a little bit better job at making sure that the console gets to multiple people and not just to the people who are looking to resell them. Because, you know, the people who are looking to resell them are the people who are on the website, they're up all night, they're they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting, and then they jump on it as soon as they skip the message. Other people who are just excited for the console, like myself, I totally forgot about it today. I, I, I set a timer on my phone and it didn't go off. Uh, maybe because I set it for tomorrow, <laughs> but it's one of those things. It's like I came home and I looked in online and said out of stock, and it's kind of sad. But it's also like you know I understand that I was late on this, and um, I understand that you're not everyone's gonna cut get a console. I understand that limited stock is limited stock. You know, not everyone's gonna get a, a, a piece of the pie. You know, but there's a lot of people who bought multiple consoles just to resell them, and I think that that is one of the reasons why both this and the Xbox pre-orders kind of flopped. Um, people went crazy about the PlayStation 1. Um, but uh, at least... I, I, the other thing is that PlayStation is putting this into the hands of the retailers, and retailers are awful with this stuff. Not only are there inside people who tell their friends, like, hey, it's going up exactly at this time, be on your computer and be ready to go, you know, and or, or, or people who are at the store themselves, you know who who know the time and they just get one themselves because they could put themselves in it's one of those things it's like i don't think that the retailer should be the ones who are deciding what time what day you know etc cetera, etc cetera, that these consoles are able to be pre-ordered and obviously there are going to be a lot more coming out uh, by the end of the year because of holiday and stuff like that i think this is the first wave of consoles for both the xbox and the ps5 i think these consoles are going to be met with obvious criticism on both spectrums because of things failing stuff like that so i think that in the end if you are a person who's really excited about these consoles just wait just 
a little bit. I did that for the PS4. Other people's PS4s have stopped working by now. My PS4 is still running, even though the fan sounds like a jet engine. It still runs pretty well, uh, even to this day. It's been over, what, five years now that I've had it, and I play it ab- abusively at times. Um, it lasted longer than my Xbox One, and I got my Xbox One way, like, a year later, and that still had dis- disk drive problems. And it also works better than the original PS3, um, which I didn't have personally, but I... I I know the troubles that people are going through. And of course the Xbox 360 in which my original Xbox 360 did to get the red ring of death, but it went away and it w- it's still working to this day. Knock on much wood. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about the pre-order debacle that happened. Uh, the UK, the UK retailer named game added an extra five pound delivery charge to the PS5 pre-orders without telling anyone. Um, they sold an initial allocation of PS5 consoles, and they said they're going to gain more stock in the next few days. But now, you'll have to pay an additional £10 delivery fee, despite the company prom- pro- uh, promoting a free delivery policy. It's also worth noting that the alter- the alteration is not retroactive. So if you already managed to secure a PS5 or Xbox Series X, you won't have to pay extra. But if you're getting one nowadays, um, they, are, they are adding the extra ten pounds to it and of course they didn't come out and say that up front it's only after you have gone through the entire process in which they say oh yeah you get you know, it's an extra 10 pound uh the company is yet to comment on the policy change um although now its website includes a console pre-order category among the delivery options um which is something to keep in mind as more things come around if you are in the uk um, and if you're not willing to spend 10 extra pounds for a, just getting a pre-order, um, you know, maybe you want to look somewhere else. Also, I wanted to put everything into, into perspective. I, I, I went on Twitter yesterday with a little bit of a heated post, and I said, oh, the PS5 has pre-ordered, de- you know, there's a pre-order debacle. Oh, everyone hates Sony all of a sudden. Xbox, similar things happen. Not a peep. I saw literally one YouTube video about it in my sub feed. And I saw a one article about it on PushSquare.com talking about how the Xbox Series X and Series S also had similar problems to the PlayStation launch. So Microsoft, um, of course, they did a good thing by telling everyone exactly the day and times that the consoles were going to be coming out, which I talked about last time. Um, so the date was, I believe it came out, the, or was the pre-orders were live on the 22nd of September of 2020. So the initial Xbox pre-orders were uh, relatively smooth, but the situation deteriorated drastically as the day went on. The UK retailer game was taken offline. In the US, numerous retailers ran out of stock almost instantly, no doubt as a result of people knowing exactly when the pre-orders would go live. Um, Moreover, the same outlets were hit with various technical issues, preventing people from even adding a new Xbox to their online basket. Um, Also... I believe it was either Target or Walmart. I, I I might have this flipped around, but I believe Walmart released the the pre-order early and Target released it late. I could have those flipped around, but that is what I heard that they were not on time. So people were kind of like, "Oh shit!" Um, a lot of time, and actually a lot of people got confirmations on the web page that their pre-order had gone through, but they never got anything in their in their email address, and money did not come out of their accounts. Um. 
So, uh, the official Microsoft Store was actually the first of the websites to fall. Uh, the website buckled under the stress of a lot of users coming on to pre-order the Xbox. Um, when it returned, it provided people with broken pre-order links, inciting panic among eager would-be buyers. The actual pre-orders ended up going live much later in the day, and it's the same story with Amazon as well. In between um, that, um, a lot of consoles... A lot of people were pre-ordering the wrong console is what I meant to say. So essentially, the I, I the last I heard from Shinobi Nando, sales for the Xbox One, X, and S went up by 700% on the 22nd of September. The last I looked officially was around 460-something percent. So obviously, it's gone up. I think this is a big issue with just the naming of the console in general. When you look at the, when you go to pre-order a PS5, you go PS5, and up pops the PS5. You order an Xbox, you type an Xbox, you're getting the Xbox One, you're getting the Xbox Series, you get the Xbox 360, you get the Xbox Original. Um, and not only are the names Xbox Series X and S very hard to, to enunciate, they also are very similar to the Xbox One S and Xbox One X. Essentially, people accidentally were pre-ordering the wrong console. So when they get that in the mail, they're going to be a little bit disappointed to find out that under the Christmas tree is an Xbox One instead of an Xbox Series. I think this is a big problem for Xbox um, because obviously when people get these consoles, let's say that it's before Christmas and they just kind of open it up and they're like, oh, I got my Series X today and it's Xbox One, I think a lot of people are going to complain and they're going to get a lot of refunds. Either that or people are going to be screwed and they're going to step away from Microsoft. Now, I said last week that I didn't think the Series X or S was going to sell out as quickly as the PS5 did. Obviously, I was wrong, and you know I think that the, it was a understandable prediction. Um, but the fact of the matter is that both consoles struggled in the pre-order category. Both consoles had mixed dates and times for when the pre-orders were going to go live both consoles had their web the websites crashing and failing and false uh pre-order messages coming out and and stuff like that both consoles had issues yet when you go on twitter it's all calm as can be you know there's there right now as i'm speaking there is a, a trending ps5 pre-orders hashtag where you can go and see everyone who's complaining about not getting a PS5, or you can also see the people who got, you know, six PS5s in an hour. Um, that that all just <laughs> see the, the but but there was nothing for Xbox when that happened to Xbox. It's just it's like if you're gonna criticize one company, you know that's fine. But if the other company does the same thing and it's quiet, it's all quiet on the Eastern Front. Prepare for war. From from me, I. I like to keep things equal, you know, I, I, even though I am undoubtedly sold on the PS5, okay, that is not, that is not swaying my opinion of the Xbox Series X and everything that would happen with the pre-orders. I'm looking at these articles and I'm watching this YouTube video and I go, it's the same exact thing, but why aren't people getting super upset about the Xbox Series X pre-orders? I don't know. I was talking to Nomad Eric on Twitter and he simply said that it's because PlayStation didn't tell people when the console was going to be released. But I rebuttal by saying, even though they told people when it was going to be released, it still didn't matter because the websites went down, websites, uh, they, the pre-orders went up late for some websites and early for other ones. It was still a huge mess and they still sold out in minutes. 
And that is the one major thing that people are complaining about with the PS5. I think actually less people got the Xbox Series X than the PS5, in my opinion. I'm pretty sure. Well, um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's all it's all nuts and bolts at this point, right? We won't, I mean, a lot of people aren't going to get the consoles day one. You know, a lot of people, you know, are, whether they got the wrong console, whether they got a fake pre-order message from a website... And whether they actually got the console, a lot of people are going to be without a new console for a little while. And that's understandable. The same thing happens with every console generation. People go crazy. They try and pre-order them as fast as they can. I think that the stock is significantly down for both of these consoles because of the virus happening. And I think this is a terrible time to release a console because, you know, console is, you know, PS4 and Xbox One were already limited. But imagine... If a virus was happening at the same time, I think that those numbers would be half just like they are with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Just food for thought for you people who are jumping on the hate for Sony. I think that both companies deserve criticism, but they're not both equally getting that criticism. And it's kind of annoying me just a little bit. What do you guys think, huh? Let me know. On Twitter, at YummyTheFerret, or join my Discord. All links are on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash YummyTheFerret. I would love to talk to people about this. Um, but uh, I, right now, in my personal, unprofessional opinion, I've just been playing video games for a long time, so I'm a certified seasoned gamer. I think that both companies have screwed the pooch, and I think both companies deserve an equal amount of criticism. Maybe Sony deserves more. But that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about that both companies deserve some form of criticism. And I think that they both equally fucked up by letting the retailers decide when they actually want to put things out. I think that if they only sold them from their official PlayStation website or Xbox website, maybe the, maybe the websites would have crashed. But I think more people would have been able to get consoles and not have as much of a headache and i think that they also could have been like oh this ip already bought a console put them in the back of the line you know if, if another one shows up right after that one you know sony and microsoft could have easily done that they're the two biggest heads in the video game world it doesn't make any sense that they would let retailers do it when they have the the ability to do to make sure that things aren't lopsided like they are right now all right that's all i'm saying speaking of more xbox news bethesda bethesda was bought by microsoft um so um yeah uh so microsoft acquired zenimax media which is the parent company of bethesda zenimax media um who else do they own I'm not sure who else they who else they 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 own, but Microsoft paid 7.5 billion. That's billion with a B dollars for Zenimax, and it's a huge acquisition. And this is sending ripples through the video game universe at this point. So Microsoft still so Microsoft now owns the Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, Wolfenstein, etc., etc. So what does this mean for future games coming from Bethesda like Deathloop, The Elder Scrolls 6, or Starfield games that are still in development? Will they be exclusive on Xbox consoles? Will they be timed exclusives? Will they not go to, you know, Epic stores and stuff like that? Will they not be, 
Yeah, these are all questions that obviously people are asking. Um, they've already come out and said that Deathloop, they'll still, they will um, keep the contracts with Sony in place. So Deathloop will still be a console exclusive for a short amount of time on the PS5, um, which is nice to hear that they are actually they're, they're being kind of cordial about it. So um, they, uh, so Phil Spencer came out and was like, "Hey guys, these games are still going to come to uh, the PlayStation." You know, despite being owned by Xbox, okay? They're not assholes, right? <laughs> I, I think it's funny that Bethesda now owns... I'm sorry, that Microsoft now owns Bethesda and Obsidian, right? Because Obsidian used to be a part of, of Bethesda. Um, but naturally, um, all Bethesda games are going to be released on both Xbox and PC, and their appearances on other consoles will be turned by game-by-game game basis. But they're saying, they're, they're still a little vague about it, but they're saying that, don't worry, the major games are, are probably all going to be coming to both consoles eventually. Uh, Spencer Phil Spencer also says that Xbox and Bethesda plan to honor Sony's timed exclusivity with Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. It's underscored that these deals were put in place before Microsoft snapped up the parent company, Zenny Max, as I already said. Um, so I guess we'll have to see. Like, is the next Fallout game, or the, I guess the next Elder Scrolls game, we could say, is that going to be a timed exclusive for the Xbox 360? I'm sorry, Xbox 360? Oh my god. Is it going to be a timed exclusive for the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Game Pass? Is Starfield going to be uh, exclusive on that as well? Um, is Are they ever going to come to the other consoles? Or will they still be like, yeah, you know, we, we like money. And they'll, they'll put them on the other consoles. It's hard to say. The biggest thing I think that comes out of this is like Bethesda is known for their glitchy games. Their unfinished games. Their unpolished games. I love the meme of the kid, you know, drawing on a piece of paper and it says, you know, Bethesda, now that Microsoft owns them and they have to finish games. Like, I love that. Because, you know, it's funny when, you know, Skyrim messes up sometimes or, you know, Fallout 3 has a glitch here or there. But it's not funny when you're going through Fallout 3's DLC and the whole game breaks and your last save point was right before that game break and it happens every time you do it. That's what happened to me on the 360 version of, of Fallout 3. It's not funny when you play Fallout 4 and the frame rate's ass and the game is broken. It's not fun to have broken games. Ask the people who bought No Man's Sky Day 1 like myself. I think this is going to help with some quality control for Bethesda. You know? There There are a lot of games that come out of the Bethesda studios like Rage 2 that people are excited for and people buy and then they're kind of janky or you know this is weird or this is slow or you know and then they come out and say oh we're releasing updates soon it's like that's great but also what the fuck i think the best example is fallout 76 i don't think there would have been as much of a debacle with fallout 76 if they had just worked out some more kinks with the game you know before release you know maybe wait a year (laughs) You know, I know people are excited for things, but people can wait. Like, how long have people been waiting for Beyond Good and Evil 2, you know? And just last week, I talked about it. There was a small dev update about it. And uh, the, 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 the lead did, like, the lead on the team left the company saying, yeah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, how nervous are people right now? You can only guess in, in you know... So we'll see what happens. They said it's a game-by-game basis, so I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, also, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella 
um, said, you can't wake up one day and say, let me build a game studio. The idea of having content is so we can reach larger communities. Um, and this is said in, in response to a question about, are they going to acquire any more studios like, you know, Rocksteady or, or something like that. Um, she also said that they will consider buying more video game companies in the future, but right now, you know, this, this, this is good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, obviously there is a small danger for PlayStation if the, the industry gets dominated by Microsoft owned companies. Um, I think that Sony does have a, a good collection of studios that obviously output high levels of, you know, high level of, uh, you know, of quality games. Um, but there are publishers out there who aren't under the wing of a larger company like Sony, like EA, Capcom, Sega, Rocksteady, like I said, uh, or WB Games in that in that aspect. Um, that could be snatched up by either publisher um, or either studio. That uh, it's hard to say what's going to happen next. Bethesda was one of the last standing. Like it was, I still consider them like an indie developer. You know, kind of they they kind of they're kind of indie. Um, in, in terms of like the, the, the video games they put out, they've been around for a while and they've never really been under this branch of, of video games, but, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that it's, it's understandable why they bought such a big company because there is a lot to invest in there and there's a lot of IPs from Bethesda that people love, you know, there's a reason why there's, you know, what six fallout games there's a sixth elder scrolls game coming out there's two doom there's like there's a bunch of doom games and the remaster you know the remakes are 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 selling like hotcakes there's a reason why even though rage one and rage two aren't the best games in the world people still love those games and they still sell you know there's a reason because the games are fun you know They, they they entice people they're they're games that you know strikes your imagination it's why the Outer Worlds sold so well. People love a space-faring adventure, and they don't want to play uh, a Bethesda game that's broken. They want to play a, a new game that's in the same vein, and they got it. So we'll see what happens. People are already asking Obsidian if they're going to be making a Fallout New Vegas 2, and they just responded with, we'll see. <laughs> so that is making people even more excited for the possibilities. Like, I don't want to be a complete downer in this. You know, I think there's good things to this, right? Like I said, a little bit more quality control here or there. Um, you know, maybe more more testing. Obviously, being under the wing of a big company like this, you know, there's no threat of one day you're gonna walk into the office and we're gonna be shutting down. You know, I don't think that's 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 a that's gonna be um, something that happens to Bethesda. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Of course. Okay, uh, the Game Awards 2020 has been dated for December. And the broadcast is going to be live from three different locations. Jeff Cayley, uh, who is the, I think, I'm pretty sure he he like started the Game Awards, right? Um, he's a presenter and producer. He's bringing the show back in 2020. And, of course, there are some obvious hurdles. Um, he said, save the date on Twitter and said the Game Awards are Thursday, December 10th, live from Los Angeles, London, and Tokyo. A multi-world of wonders awaits. So mark your calendars for the 10th of December. The broadcast is going to be from three different locations, like I said, Los Angeles, London, and Tokyo. You'll obviously be able to watch the um, you'll watch the stream on Twitch. Uh, I think that this year is going to be a weird year for video games, and I, I know that there was a lot of delays and stuff like that, and there's a lot of games that are coming out late in the year, and you wonder how that's going to impact 
the game awards themselves. Like, are they going to give a award to a game that came out, you know, just like a week before, you know, the 10th of December popped around? It's it's hard to say. Uh, there's a, there is a large voting um, section. You know, there's it, it, people vote on the internet, and uh, I think that. You know, if a game comes out in November, it's fair game. But by the time of the end of November comes around, I think that you're looking for like a next year kind of thing. Um, and I, I was never, I'm never, I'm not a fan of companies releasing games in December. Like, you know, it's like, why don't you just release them next year at this point? Because the end of the year is for like those culmination lists, you know, the top 10 lists. I remember um, Just Cause 3 came out like right at the end of the year. And I think they did the same thing with 4. And I was debating whether to put it on my top 10 list for that year because it's like, well, I played a lot of it and I really enjoy it, but I played all these other games throughout the year and they just left more of an impact on me. And I ended up not putting Just Cause 3 on the list because it was just too fresh, you know? But that's just my opinion, of course. Um, As I was saying, you know, it's going to be kind of a weird year for the Game Awards because a lot of games did come out at the beginning of the year and then things kind of tapered off a little bit. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, my my game of the year prediction has been the same since the beginning of the year, which is Half-Life Alex. I think it's going to be the first VR game to win game of the year from them. Uh, I don't I, I, I do see like, you know, how another game could take that spot. Um, Ghost of Tsushima being one of them. But of course, it's a wait and see again scenario. All right, La 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 Rocket League. Um, Rocket League is crossing paths with Fortnite in the Llama Rama event. New skins, a uh, new cart, which is the battle bus, and of course, a new stage or arena, I should say, is all included uh, in this crossover event. So the event is going to kick off on the 26th of December, which uh, September, I'm sorry, which is tomorrow, and it'll run until the 12th of October. Within that time, you'll be able to compete in, se- in a series of event challenges in order to unlock the Fortnite-themed goodies such as llama antennas, toppers, decals, and wheels. Even the battle bus itself can be unlocked as a car body if you complete all the event challenges. Completing the event challenges in Rocket League will grant you rewards in Fortnite as well, so if you play both regularly, this is going to be worth checking out. I'm not sure what the items are in Fortnite that you can unlock. Let's see if it shows in the trailer. Doesn't look like it, but there's a new stadium. It looks like a beach, and maybe that's old. I'm not sure, but there is, you know, there's there, there's new skin, new battle bus. They did not show anything for you know Fortnite, so I guess we'll we'll see more once that comes around. Okay, so Man Eater, which is a game that I played and I thoroughly enjoyed, will be coming onto the PS5 and Xbox Series X with a free upgrade for PlayStation 4 players. Um, essentially, Maneater will be enhanced for the next generation. You'll get a free next-gen upgrade, which there's a little asterisk next to it. It says, Maneater supports the free upgrade system for the next-gen consoles. Xbox One and PlayStation 4 owners get the next-gen optimized version free of charge. So it's going to run at 4K and 60 FPS. There'll be ray tracing elements, DualSense controller support for the PS5, and more. Um, so that's good news. Free update. Uh, which is good for PS4 owners and Xbox One owners of the game. Um, it will be available at launch, which is the 12th of November uh, for North America, and 19th of November for uh, for Europe on the PS5 type, uh, for the PS5. <laughs> um, it doesn't look like, I, I guess it says and more, so maybe there'll be like a free shark 
like maybe it'll be like a, the color of the Xbox or the color of the PS5. It's you know we'll see we'll see what they do with it. Um, I am waiting for more content in this game. I did the game 100% on Epic Game Store, which doesn't feel as good as doing it on like PlayStation or something like that because you don't earn like achievements or trophies in the in the Epic Store version. But I guess it's a, a testament to how fun I thought the game was because I did it without the incentive to get the trophies and stuff like that but uh still a fun game i play it every now and then and I, I i'm waiting for more content to come and uh, hopefully once the next generation gets around they'll start doing more with the game itself all right uh cyberpunk 2077 the main story is going to be a little bit shorter than the witchers 3 because of player complaints well, I'm not really, I'm not sure about complaints, but they, they came out in a statement and said that the, there's a tremendous number of players who played through The Witcher 3 really far, but never made it to the end, which comes as a quote from Patrick K. Mills, who is the, the, the Cyberpunk Senior Quest designer. He said during the game's most recent developer live stream, which was on Twitch, he also said, we did shorten the main story in Cyberpunk, but we still have lots to do. Um, CD Projekt Red has already stated a number of times that Cyberpunk 2077 is a massive game, Night Sitting is a setting, and it's supposed to be incredibly dense and packed with all sorts of side quests and activities. Um, obviously, me personally, I cannot get through The Witcher 3. I've tried dozens of times, like they've stated. I just think that the game is just too big for me. And this game might be another game that's like, yeah, it's a little bit too big for you, yeah, me? Um, I'm going to try it out because I like the cyberpunk aesthetic and I think that uh, this game is going to be more my style than a game like The Witcher 3. Um, and I do want to try and get through The Witcher 3. It's not like I've not tried. I've tried like five times now. Um, but uh, I think it is just a little bit too long for me. There's just too much to do and it kind of um, kind of makes me... I don't know. I don't. I don't know the right word for it, but it just kind of makes me feel like, oh, I'll never get this done, you know, kind of thing. And I just don't. I just don't worry about it. I play for like three hours and then go, okay, I'll come back to this. And you, you never do. It's one of those types of things. But I am excited for this game. Obviously, I think that uh, if you're not excited for this game or you're not interested in this game, I think you're gonna miss out on probably one of the biggest games to release in this current console generation. And I think this is gonna be a game that's gonna be talked about for just as long as The Witcher Three has been talked about since its release. And moving on to Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It's been revealed, yes, finally, that the game is going to run at on, four, on uh, at 60 frames per second uh, with 4K on the PlayStation 5. It was confirmed on the Xbox Series X a while ago, but finally, in an article with uh, in an interview with Eurogamer, they said that yes, it will be 4K and yes, it will run at 60 frames per second and it will leverage the Sony's SSD for improved loading times and Tempest Engine for 3D sound. Um, even though they're partnered with Microsoft for the marketing, the details about the next-gen PlayStation version have been thin, and I think that uh, now that we know that it's actually going to run at the same rate as the Microsoft version, I think a lot of people's uh, worries have been a little bit quelmed, I guess you would say. Uh, me personally, um, I'm not going to get this game day one. I've, I've, I, I know I said that about Marvel's Avengers, but I don't think I'm going to get this one day one because... The stuff that I've seen about it just does not look interesting to me. It just looks like Origin or Odyssey, and and those games are relatively boring, in my opinion, because of just how much shit they crammed into it. Um, but uh, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, you know, mark my words. What date does this come out? The 12th of November. Oh, so it's a release title with uh, the PlayStation and the Xbox. When this game comes out, I will probably pick it up. 
And then I'll come on the podcast and be like, why did I pick this up? <laughs> okay, so if you uh, you know if you know this game, yeah, you might know this little little indie game called Among Us, uh, which has recently gotten a, a huge player uh, base. Um, it came out two years ago. Two years ago, this game came out on PC and phones, and now, after all these years, it has finally hit its stride, and lots of people are playing it. There's, I mean, I'm I'm on Twitch right now, and the uh, on the home page of Twitch, Among Us has the most viewers, with 569,000 people viewing it right now. If I click on it, you want to know how many live streams there are? I can't even count how many live streams there are. There's just an endless scroll of live streams, and each one of these live streams has at least 10 to to 50 viewers. Um, obviously, there's more for the bigger people, like you know, in the thousands. But uh, I think that it says a lot about the game that so many people can be streaming it, and yet every single one of these people has at least, at least the minimum amount to have a full party if they're playing with viewers. Obviously, people who are playing with bigger people, like these 50k channels, um, they're obviously playing with people who are also in the same realm as them, so they are obviously getting, you know, stacking the numbers. But that's besides the point right now. All right, P2 is actually playing it right now as I am watching him as I'm recording this. So, Among Us, um, it's a four to ten player game about survival. Obviously, it's uh, it's kind of like a, uh, it's like the thing, you know, where. You know, one, uh, one, two, three people, depending on what you what you put, uh, is an imposter, and they try and kill the other crewmates while they try and survive by doing tasks and getting their getting their their uh, their repair meter on the ship all the way up. You know, um, and essentially they announced a second game when the game started to become popular. They said, oh, "Okay, we're going to start working on a second game." Now, recently, they actually canceled Among Us Two in a report uh, by Inverse. It's something the team has thought about doing, but given the nature of the game, it's tougher than you might think. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I moved on to the next paragraph. According to the company, they want to focus on this game instead of putting their efforts into a second game. Me personally, I think they're doing this because the iron is hot, right? This game, this Among Us game is very, very popular. My thinking is, and what I think that they're doing is, you know... This game's hot. How long will it be hot? We don't know. If we're working on an Among Us 2, and by the time Among Us 2 comes out, the game is not hot anymore, we have just blundered, right? We have a huge fail on our hands because who's going to want to play Among Us 2 when probably by the time that Among Us 2 comes out, there'll already be games that are copying this style, this format, that will get some attention, obviously. So... That's why I think they stopped production on Among Us 2, and I think that that's why they're going to put most of their efforts into Among Us 1. Now, in an, in an interview with Inverse, they were talking about if the game was going to come to consoles like PlayStation, so, uh, Nintendo, and uh, Xbox. And they said, a console port is something we're starting to talk about, who is, which was is quoted from Forrest Willard, who is the programmer. He said that um, his main concern is how to let random people online communicate effectively, suggesting a system for quick comms as seen in games like Rocket League. However, simple commands or emotes wouldn't really be enough to get all the information across to others. The solution, of course, would be voice chat, which 
both Xbox and PlayStation have, but not everyone would or could use them. And it's something the studio says that they are not sure if they want to implement a system that, you know, no one can talk to each other because then what's the point of the game? Um, the trouble is making sure that it's easy for everyone to connect, everyone to talk, everyone to communicate. And typing on the controller is obviously slow and cumbersome. Uh, you know, talking isn't too bad, but you also have to, you know, even though there's a microphone built in microphone built into the PlayStation 4 controller, not everyone's going to want to use that. Not everyone's going to want to talk, which is why I think the phone and the PC version is so effective because people who don't want to talk or have bad mics or something like that, they can just type in on the little phone that's in their inventory and they can say things to anyone, you know, whether they're in a meeting or not. So I don't know if this game is going to come to consoles. I think that they're going to focus on the PC and the phone version of the game, they're going to improve it. I think they're going to up, you know, up the ante with the graphical quality. I think they're going to up, uh, add more, you know, more uh, customizable elements. They're going to add more maps. Maybe they'll add a new mode. It's hard to say, um, but there is a lot to do. There's a there's a lot you can change in this game, which is which helps the the ebb and throw and and flow of each of each match. And I think that this game is a hot topic right now. I don't know how long this hot topic is going to last. I think that smaller communities are going. This game is going to last longer in a smaller community because people are playing together. Whereas with the bigger communities that are getting the fifty and a hundred thousand views, and you know on YouTube is blowing up as well with PewDiePie and and my name is Kevin playing the game a ton. I think that those channels are gonna they're they're gonna um get the 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 hype is gonna die of course, and they're going to stop uploading the videos for it. And in turn, Among Us will stop to be being the most popular game. But right now, I think they're jumping on a great opportunity. If they start to improve it, they start adding new things, I think that it'll extend the life of the game. Obviously, the game's been around for two years, and obviously they've been thinking about what they can do with the game, and now they're getting some money flow in, and maybe possibly the studio will be picked up by someone. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. As of right now, Among Us 2 has been canceled, but Among Us 1 is still going strong, and they are planning on... Keeping up with idea. My computer froze there for a second. I hope that you understood what I said. Um, I don't. I don't know if it stopped recording audio there. Ah, whatever. You guys get the gist of what I'm saying. All right. So Kirby Fighters Two was leaked the day before Nintendo officially announced it, but now. Nintendo has officially announced Kirby Fighters 2, um, which is exclusively for Nintendo Switch, of course, and it's available for $20 on the eShop. Kirby Fighters 2 sees the return of Chaotic Kirby Battle Action with a selection of 17 iconic copy abilities. This entry also marks the debut of the Kirby's new wrestler ability. Um, so, uh, Kirby will be joined by friends and foes such as Weedle, Waddle D, Meta Knight, King DDD, Gooey, and Magalore. Each character has their own play style and move sets. There are over 22 different fighting styles altogether. In story mode, players are challenged to buddy up and duel uh, by King DDD and Meta Knight. You'll have to enlist the help of a friend or a CPU to climb all the way up the Tower of Trial and, and do the final battle. Um, each time you ascend the, the tower, different foes await you. As for multiplayer offerings, it's four-player local and wireless and online co-op. Uh, in free-for-alls the team and team battles, you can customize rules like items, stage hazards, and even more uh, to help change up the gameplay. 
Last but not least, if you have a saved data from Kirby Star Allies or Super Kirby Clash, you receive a rare hat in the Kirby Fighters 2 game. I'm not going to be downloading this game. Kirby is not a character that I am in love with, but uh, I think that's interesting to see. You can even see how there's like different, um, you know, all these different like play styles that you can do. It, it seems like a game that Kirby fans will be uh, happy with, hopefully, um, and uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, so I talked about the Doom, the Doom 64 bundle last time from Limited Run Games. Well, now, oh, guess what? There's a new bundle coming out, which is already available for pre-order, I believe. Um, and that bundle includes a Retro Doom Guy helmet. It's a silver helmet with a blue mask screen. It looks exactly like the helmet that he wears on the cover of the game. Um, so you can relive Doom Guy's glorious beginnings with your special limited edition Classic Doom Helmet Collector's Bundle. This bundle is going for $140. It will be a, The pre-orders are going to open up on the 25th of September. Um, I already pre-ordered the 64 bundle that was like the one with the, the cartridge and the, the, the books and stuff like that. So I'm at, I'm fine with that. I got the collector's edition of that. I, this is a little bit more money that I'm willing to spend. And also, it's a helmet. And I don't know, I mean, would I really wear this helmet? <laughs> I'm sure it's good quality. It also comes with a floppy disk enamel pin as well. Um, but this is the limited edition Classic Doom helmet collector's bundle so this is not doom 64 this is the original doom i apologize i thought this was doom 64 for a minute uh, but this is the original doom it's getting a collector's edition you'll get a limited edition um uh print of the of the classic doom uh cover you'll get the classic doom helmet you'll also get a limited edition doom floppy disk pin and you'll get the classic doom cover art it doesn't say anywhere that you get like a code for the game or something like that which is kind of funny um, hopefully you get something. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, they, they said that there's no purchase limits on the site. Um, but that might, that might be a stab in the back for them because people will just buy like 50 of them and then resell them. And then they'll be, a, a, you know, it's, it's, a, I don't want to go back on that topic. All right, moving on. So. Double Fine, who is the creators of games like Odd World and Psychonauts, they're turning 20 year uh 20 years old <laughs> this year, and they've teamed up with Indie by Design, who is the creator and publisher of quality books that celebrate and document video games and their creations. Um, they announced that the upcoming release of 20 Double Fine Years is is an extensive history of Double Fine Productions in advance of the highly anticipated release of Psychonauts 2. You'll be j joining us in the journey through the mind and creations of Double Fine Productions, the, mo the world's most excellent video game development team, TM. <laughs> uh, 20 Double Fine Years explores the people, ideas, inspirations, and goals that have resulted in everything from Psychonauts to Costume Quest to Brutal Legend to Broken Age and many more. Uh, it's a beautiful book, and it's a celebration of some of gaming's most charming and attractive art and visual designs. Um, it is a in insight into how creative people can come together, come together to craft experiences that are touching, hilarious, and unlike anything you've ever enjoyed before. Over 280 pages of commentary, concept art, and key visuals from Double Fine's digital and physical art archive. The book features interviews with Tim Schafer, founder of Double Fine, Double Fine staffers, present and past, and many of the studio's 
longtime collaborators. In Tim Schafer's own words, Recently, I was looking back on the amazing 20 years we've had as a game company, and I totally drew a blank. Seriously, my memory just isn't what it used to be. So I summoned my count, my court scri- scribes and said, Pen me a tome worthy of the ages so that I shall remember every amazing detail of this crazy ride we've been on. And so that... No, oh, excuse me. And so that nobody, not even I, forgets this amazing story. And they did. Uh, every up, every down, every crazy sideways shimmy we've ever done is now illustrated in this illustrated manuscript for all to remember. Um, 20 double fine years will be available in early 2021 in both a standard edition for $50 and a legend edition, which will be a limited availability during the pre-order period only for $65, which will feature a luxury fabric cover, a gold foiling on a debossed, debossed double fine logo, which will be available for pre-order. Oh, they're available to pre-order now. Pre-orders in the U S and UK will have free shipping while other regions will benefit from the reduced shipping costs. So yeah, that's, um, I mean the the book looks good. Uh I uh this is really uh really interesting. Um Wow, look at that. Uh, you guys can't see this, but there's like con- concept designs for the main character of Psychonauts. They're showing off how broken age, you know, how they they designed the different things in that. Definitely looks like it's worth the value if you're a big fan of Double Fine. Um and uh I think this is uh you know, this is a cool thing for people who are fans of that. I'm just going to go through some of the some of the games that they've made. I guess I was wrong. They, I guess they didn't make Odd Odd World. I thought they did. Huh. Well, anyways, they started in the point-and-click days with games like Grim Fandango, Full Throttle, um, and Day of the Tentacle. And now, Psychonauts, Brutal Legend, Costume Quest, Stacking, Iron Brigade, Once Upon a Monster, Middle Manager of Justice, The Cave, Broken Age, Hack and Slash, Costume Quest 2, Space Base of Nine, Massive Chalice, Psychonauts 2 is coming out, Rad came out last year. Uh, Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin, which is a VR game, and also Headlander. I'm not sure some of those games, um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I know most of them, and that's a pretty good library of games to have. Why did I see... Where, where did I see Oddworld? Oh, okay. Indie by Design, the company making the book, also did something for Oddworld to celebrate Oddworld. Okay, I under, okay, I read that wrong. That's my bad. All right, No Man's Sky is getting a new update called Origins, which is available now on all platforms. You're gonna be a uh, so you're gonna get millions of new planets and a new uh, uh, a new oh my gosh, <laughs> you're gonna be more varied terrain, huge buildings, and more NPC interactions. Lots of new plant life and animal life, and extreme weather effects have been incorporated, such as volcanic eruptions, lightning, and tornadoes. And finally, the giant sandworms from the early trailers are actually in the game now. <laughs> some planetary systems now might have two or even three stars and new cloud tech and color variants give each planet an even more unique feel. The user interface has been refreshed to make navigating the menus a little bit more streamlined and photo mode has had an overhaul as well. There's a full there's a full patch note on the official website. I still love seeing oops sorry. I still love seeing like the planets in the background and knowing that you can actually go to that planet is something that's really, really cool. And it still makes me want to go back and play this game. I haven't yet, but I keep saying that I might. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nio or Neo 2 Darkness in the Capital DLC has been confirmed for the 15th of October. Um, this is, uh, this is what the second piece of DLC um, where you are going to go to, uh, da, 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 da. uh, you're going to go to 
Kyoto City, where the Heian Palace takes center stage for more intense combat and leveling. The Darkness in the Capital expansion is going to come out on the 15th of October, um, and it will be eight about $10 or £8. Darkness of the Capital is introducing new storylines, overwhelmingly powerful new bosses, tricky new yokai, new guardian spirits, skills, ninjutsu, omyo magic, and soul cores. There's also going to be a new weapon and armor set. Nio 2 can still be picked up on the PlayStation Store. Or, um, I don't know why I read that. That is obviously information that I don't need to tell you. Uh, haven't gone back to this game since it came out, obviously, for you know reasons that I've already said. Uh, my bad. I'll get back to it eventually. I have to get back to the first game first, obviously. Uh, but Callus, Callus, congratulations on con uh, congratulations on completing Neo or Nio One for the most part. Here's your list of top ten Final Fantasy games. All right, Final Fantasy games. All right, here we go. Here's your list right now. Uh, don't don't forget that the next Final Fantasy game was revealed to be coming to the PS5. I forgot to mention that last time. So, all right. Um, okay. So, here's my top 10 Final Fantasy games, alright? Um, number 10. Final Fantasy 2. Okay? Uh, next up. Final Fantasy 15. Okay? Next up. Alright? Uh, Final Fantasy 3. Uh... <laughs> Alright, next, I'm, alright, is this stupid? Alright, the number one game, the number one Final Fantasy game by, by a large margin is Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition. And you can quote me on that. Alright, last thing for today, I probably lost about half my audience now. Uh, Transformers Battlegrounds is coming to all consoles and whatever on the 23rd of October. It's an XCOM-style game with turn-based elements. Uh, it is very XCOM-esque, except the graphical style is garbage. If you're a fan of Transformers, this might be a fun game for you or for your kid. Um, it incorporates a lot of the XCOM-type stuff in it, like, you know, turn-based strategy, having a map where you can kind of direct your characters on and stuff like that, um, special abilities for each Transformer. Uh, just, it looks really bad. Like, it looks like a phone game or a mobile game that was just ported to console. Um, both the retail release and digital deluxe edition will come with a full game, four Autobot skin packs, and an exclusive arcade mode called Cube. It's Autobots versus Decepticons as each team battles it out using their unique special abilities to keep control of the cube across the four unique arenas. Pre-orders will launch on the PlayStation on the 2nd of October with a 10% discount for digital deluxe edition and two additional exclusive skins called Nemesis Prime and Goldfire Bumblebee. Uh, there's a trailer on their website, which, or I'm sorry, on their YouTube channel, which is Outright Games. Like I said, this doesn't look good, um, but if you're a fan of Transformers, it looks like it incorporates a, lot, incorporates a lot of the lore behind the game, so you may or may not like the, I mean, it just looks bad. All right, I'm going to say right now, it looks bad. I'm not going to get this, but hey, if you're a Transformers fan, nudge, nudge. There you go, new Transformers game. If you're a real Transformers game, get, get Transformers Dimensions or whatever it's called. That was a great game. It was a third-person action game in the style of, like, an anime. It was actually really, really fun. I should revisit that one. That was a really good game. Okie dokie! All right, that is going to be it for this episode of Ferret 64. I hope you enjoyed your stay with me, Yemi the Ferret. 
If you want to check out the uh, other podcast I do called Film Freaks with a Z, uh, we just did a recent episode on Encino Man, which came out Friday, the 25th of September, the same day I'm recording this, if you want to check that out. Also, I stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash yummytheferret. I stream on Mondays, Saturdays, Thursdays, and Tuesdays. Uh, right now, we're in the middle of Dead Space 2, which we should finish um, but next stream. Uh, and yes, it is our it is officially Fear It Month, where I'm playing only horror games. So if you want to check out some, some spookiness, come on over to my channel. It's been completely revamped. New intro, new bit, re uh, new bit rewards, new uh, notifications, new everything, except for me. I'm still me. Alright, so as I said, thank you for listening to this episode on whatever platform you're listening on. I am Yummy the Ferret, and this has been another episode of Ferret Season 4. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.